This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul with Jared Timms and John Crane for our Sunday, December 8th edition of Talking Halos. Right into it, got a lot going on, but first, I want to check in with everybody. It's been a couple weeks since we've all been together. Jared, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic. You know, football Sunday, got playoffs going, all that fun stuff, and uh, baseball news. I just wanted to point out, though, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter last night, but Tom Brady was forced to pay up on another Ohio State Michigan bet. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see it? No, but I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. Tom Brady's the goat. You know, he respects those bets. He, uh, you know, just kind of is what it is. If you guys take a look on Twitter, it shows Tom Brady wearing Ohio State gear, putting up the he's up doing the O H I O and has the H above his head. It's kind of funny, actually. Always lives up to his bets. It's actually honorable in that respect. And over to John, you've been a busy guy of late. What's going on with you? I was worried about Tom Brady. You're saying he had to pay up a bet. I mean, I was afraid he might have to take out a, a lien on his home or something to pay for it, but apparently it was just a, one of those prop bets. Huh? Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, staying busy. Hey, Jared, you know, before we start the show, we actually talked for a minute, and I didn't talk to Jared. So, hi, Jared. How are you? I'm good. We're doing good. No? Yeah, we're doing good. It's, it's nice and chilly. Well, today's kind of warming up, but it's been, boy, it's been winter weather out here, huh, Jared? Yeah, I mean, balmy you know, I got the I got the chains ready to go any day any day. <laughs> well, it's a little interesting. I say chilly weather. It's been getting kind of chilly in Angels Nation of the last week or so as Dylan Bundy gets traded to the Angels and and lots of negative feelings about it. Where are they going with Garrett Cole? We're going to address all those things in today's show. Before we do, we want to ask you to head over to Apple Music when you get a chance. Leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us move the charts. We're also available anywhere else podcasts are found. I'm serious. If you can, leave a review. Leave anything you can. It helps us out. It helps us even understand where you where we stand with you. And if you just 
like us and you just don't think we quite deserve that five-star review just yet, tell us how we can earn it. Send us an email at talkinghalos at gmail.com. Leave us an email there with any kind of information you want. You can also feel free at any, any time to call in to the show. Leave a voicemail for us at 6576-65453 if it's a question you want to ask or if it's a really good opinion, really strong point, uh, leave that opinion there, that point, that question with your name, and we will go ahead and if, it, if it's clear, we'll put it on the show. We'll answer it live, okay? So all that in mind, first things first, before we get Brock on the show to talk about the rest of the league here, the Dylan Bundy trade, that I, it, was, it was kind of a running joke over the last couple of weeks that the Angels would trade for Dylan Bundy. I don't think anybody took it seriously, and then all of a sudden they go out there and they trade for Dylan Bundy. Give up four prospects for him, including one of my personal favorites, one I ranked 21st on the in the farm system here, out of 30, top 30. Kyle Brandish, right, 21st in, in the organization. Also, right-handers Isaac Madsen, Zach Peake, and Kyle Brinovich are gone. This is one of those trades that it's annoying on one respect because it looks on first glance like the Angels are dumpster diving. But you like the trade, Jared. And talking to a couple of other experts out there, they like the trade. Tell me why. I I, I think it's a, a big upside trade for the Angels. You know, I mean, um, Bundy played for our, the worst team in baseball last year. Um, you know, he was seven and fourteen. You want to if you want to talk about records, you know, he was seven and fourteen. He had a two point five WAR with that record, which is which is really good. He had a four point three FIP. Um, 23.1 um, strikeout percentage or strike or swing and miss percentage or no strikeout percentage my bad in 161 innings um, 161 innings is a huge thing that's I believe 60 more innings than any starter pitched for the Angels this year so I mean you're, you're, you're getting some depth there you're going to get somebody um, last year's fastball averaged 91 um, he throws a slider which averaged 80 81 those change up that averaged 83 um, and he also throws a curveball that averaged 74 um I believe he's also known um, for the infamous home run that he gave up to Mike Trout last year that went that broke Statcast that went over both bullpens and almost landed on the concourse or maybe that was two years ago, um, but I believe that was Dylan Bundy who was pitching then. But uh, but yes, I I love the trade. I thought that you know um, you can say oh man they gave the twenty first uh, overall prospect for the Angels, but um, at the end of the day that the twenty first overall prospect Cal Bradish is what he is. He was in Single A last year. Um, I saw him a couple times. He was 92 to 93 with a little bit of cut on his fastball. He had a curveball or I guess a slider that was uh, 78 to 80. Um, and he also had a changeup that was 86 to 88 um, last year with Inland Empire in his first year after getting drafted. So, you know, I, I Radish is an interesting piece. You know, I, I don't know where he fits. Um, we know Isaac Matson's probably a multi-inning reliever down the road. Um if we have time, I'll tell you kind of an interesting story about Matson um, a little bit later. But um, and then the two other guys we haven't even seen them pitch yet. Um, Zach Peak, who was drafted last year as well in the eighth round, um, and then Kyle Baranovich, who's drafted in the sixth round. Um, some people gave him arguably the best pitch in that draft, which was his knuckle curve. Unfortunately, we never got to see it. But um, but yeah, all, all all together, I thought it was an interesting interesting trade. I don't know. I don't think the Orioles got anything crazy in return, you know, maybe a maybe a couple relievers at the end of the day for, you know, a, a starter who could possibly put up a 3 to 4 win season next year in the in the following season for the for the Angels. So I th- I think the Angels did really well. John, what do you think of the deal? 
on your end. The fanboy. First off, I first off, I just want to clarify. When you said you talked to other experts, uh, you were you were referring to me, correct? I, I think I was in that other experts thing. Or <laughs> my first he, reaction was. Well, hold on, hold on, John, John, John. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, man. Just, just. <laughs> my my first reaction was, "Who's Dylan Bundy?" That was my first reaction. So then I then I continued to then I actually did some research and I did see Jared's uh, Jared talking positively and the word the things that I, I saw was uh, um, innings eater the guy pitches the guy pitches innings the guy averages I believe over seven innings right if I'm correct um, so and the guy starts the guy so. This is what we need. We're not going to sign for Garrett Coles. We need pitching and we need a guy in our in a rotation who can, you know, pitch a solid game and stay in there for seven innings to give our bullpen some relief. So everybody was so upset because everybody wants to sign Garrett Cole, even though they've made, Boris has made it clear he ain't signing until January. They're just starting to take offers. He said that at the winter meetings or they, they're just starting to take uh, offers for him. I mean, again, that, that was me last year. I didn't know how this stuff works, but people just want the high price guys right off the bat, but we need more than just two big time starters. We need some other people to fill out the rotation. So from everything I've said, and then with Jared supporting it, uh, I don't see anything wrong with this. I, I think it's, and, and I really, yeah, so I'm, I'm all for it. I've come around on it. I was, I was extremely doubtful on it. I'm, I'm looking back to the signings last year of, well, Matt Harvey and Cahill, and Cahill actually had a better history with his numbers than, than Dylan Bundy did. But I'm also looking at it from a different lens, and that is he's controllable for two years. He'll cost somewhere between 5.5 and 6-ish million dollars according to estimates. And if all you're giving up is prospects that are none above 21, only one in the top 30, I happen to know this one guy named Mickey Calloway who is well known for his work with pitchers across the board. And I know people don't really know him yet. I would encourage you to look up his history with the Indians. And even, you know, even with the Mets in terms of the kind of pitching staffs they had there, he was a manager there in New York, but he was pitching coach in Cleveland, came up through the system, former angel, by the way. I would say give him a shot. He's, remember, you're not looking at him as a manager. He, wasn't, he was not a full success as a manager in New York um, to what he was expected to do. But as a pitching coach and what he gets out of his players in that position, I think it's an extremely good hire. Much more faith in him than I did, I do have for Doug White. I mean, no offense to Doug White, but Mickey Callaway's regards one of the best. He's been he's one of the people who helped develop that Cleveland Indian system, that Indians a system that had an article that out just the other day, I believe last night, talking about the kind of developmental program they've put together in the Cleveland system to develop pitchers and it's working. So all that in mind, I gotta say, give it a shot. Dylan Bundy was a number one, you know, was a number one prospect for the Orioles at one point. You don't know what you'll get out of him. And the worst comes to worst, you'll get a guy who can who will sort of some runs here and there. But it's not a bad choice. Jared? Uh he, he's I think he's like a right handed Andrew Heaney in a way. Um I don't. I mean, what he's going to get? What you're going to get out of him? You slot him right with Heaney, and I think they they pair well together. Um, you know, I think he's a solid 
four starter. I know that the Angels have a whole bunch of those, but he's one that has produced at the major league level. It's not somebody that's, you know, the Angels are looking to come up uh, 20, 21, 23-year-old, you know, somebody like that. It's, you know, somebody who's produced at the major league level and is ready to, you know, continue to produce at the major league level. And I think that that's what you're going to get out of him. I don't think you're going to get a five, six, seven win player. You're not going to get Garrett Cole out of Dylan Bundy, but, you know, he might, he's going to surprise people next year. I think he might be a three, four win player with the Angels being a good team, you know? So it's, I, I, I think this was a good trade altogether. Any final thoughts over there, John? Yeah, no, he's just he's not he's not the frontline starter that we're getting. But we needed more pieces, so I just people just need to chill out. This is if we'd gotten him after we'd gotten Canny. I mean, after we've gotten Garrett Cole and I don't know Keuchel, just just uh, he Ryu. We had we gotten two stars and then gotten him. There wouldn't have been this noise that's going on right now. It's just people just I want it now. The you know the I said it before Vruka Salt man, give it to me now. And it ain't happening now. So this is a good. I I'm happy with it. I mean I'm good. I look at it as you might get more out of him with who they have as a pitching coach out there. And quite frankly, pitching out Cam and Yards is not easy. It is not easy, okay? As a right-handed pitcher, going up against lefties out there, that, that, that deck out in Cam and Yards, a lot of people have problems with it. You're talking about being individual with the Yankees, Red Sox. Those are teams that hit the cover off the baseball. Out West, it's a more pitcher-friendly ballpark. Give them a shot, see what happens. One more thing that we need to think about there, and that is what other options are available. I think, John, you hit the nail on the head, though. Perception's reality. If the perception right now has been the Angels have been dumpster diving, and the first pitcher they get is a guy who's, quite frankly, been the dumpster for much of his career, then, yeah, Angels are going to be upset. But maybe this is insurance, a cheap fixer-upper. Maybe they feel like they can fix some of his problems are. Maybe that's it. Hey, let me ask Jared a question. He might have it, or you guys might have it in front of you. So he pitched 503 innings last year. I mean, how does that, I mean, that's by far and away more than any innings any Angel pitchers pitched, right, this last season? In terms of career or talking about per year? Oh, in no, the last three years. I'm sorry, the last three years. You're right. I'm sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't. I apologize. It's that I'm looking at is the last three years. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you'd have that off your offhand. But, I mean, that's. Above and beyond, I mean, because that's the the stat I remember looking at and learning about last year about how little our our starters had pitched on average, what their average innings were, and it was really sad how how low our you know with I guess with the with the openers we had and anyways I just I mean five hundred and three innings over three years that's that's what we need. It is what you need. It's also something that they've wanted for a while, Jared. What the question is more for you. How do you feel about it overall in terms of the innings he'll provide? Um, I mean, to answer your question, John, I'm looking it up. Since 2017, um, most innings pitched by an Angels pitcher is uh, Andrew Heaney, 297, um, <laughs> followed by Tyler Skaggs, which is 290, Jaime Bria, 212, Felix Pena, 198. So, y- yeah, um, you know, that's that's exactly what the Angels need is somebody who's – going to pitch innings for you um so and that's what they're getting out of him here and i think that there's a lot more left in the tank for bundy i mean you know epler's gone out and gotten guys who he's liked um obviously he's he watched bundy um before 
um, along, you know, when he was in New York, when um, as he was coming up, I'm sure that he was one of the guys that you know he scouted um, at some point as well. So you know, um, Epler's probably really familiar with what Bundy does, and he likes you know him in in a way, and I thinks that Callaway can help him. And I I think that that's going to be the case here um, with Bundy. I I, I I like what they did, but yeah, you know, that's the inning says a lot. You know, I mean, you can basically add up what. Heaney and Skaggs had together, and you know you basically kind of you're getting what uh, what Bundy's put up in the last three years. So it's kind of kind of interesting. All right, so there you go, guys. If you're looking for a different point of view right now, I would say none of us have it, as far as I understand. It's worth a shot. the The price wasn't too high. Four pitchers for one looks bad on the surface, but only one of them for us looked like it was somebody we thought was a definitive uh, MLB candidate, and um, we'll see. Okay, so we're looking for sponsors, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the new season. Reach out to us if you're interested in working with us at TalkingTheHills.gmail.com. If you like what we're doing and want to help us keep the lights on here and also want to do some advertising, again, that's TalkingTheHills.gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453. And now introducing Brock Davis into the show. He's here to go over the rest of the AL West because there happens to be some competition out there. The Angels have three teams that... They need to beat out for next year, and each one has their own agenda. Brock, how you doing, man? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like, uh, my, mic is, my mic is muted, so I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Brock, how are you? Good morning. How, uh, good morning. How was the time off there? Oh, man. I got scared for a second. I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I work uh, on an ambulance, and uh, I was at work last night, and it was about 4 a.m., and we were supposed to we were super microscopically close to getting a call that would have taken six to seven hours. So I wouldn't have even gotten home until close to twelve or twelve or one. And I was supposed to get off at six. And uh I was microscopically close from getting that call, so I was kinda scared that I was gonna miss out on all the sleep and this podcast and I got lucky and the call got cancelled, so I'm here. Well, glad you're here. I guess we hope that whoever was was involved in that call got home in good good hour last night or this morning. But we are going to talk a little bit of baseball, and I've had you look at the AL West for a couple of weeks now before we finally got to the segment. We're going to start with the Texas Rangers. They're a team that we felt for a while now is up and coming. They've done a good job building over there, starting to see some growth from that organization overall. What are they looking for this offseason? Uh, so they signed Kyle Gibson. I know that we all know that, um, but they were looking for some starting pitching. I don't know if that's where they stop, but the main thing that I'm looking at with the Texas Rangers is I think they're going to sign a, a big third baseman between whether that be Donaldson or Rendon. And free agency is so fickle in the way that you make one bold prediction and that one bold prediction changes and then everything else changes. Just like how I predicted Wheeler was going to go to the Angels, and now that we didn't get him, that changes a lot of things in that aspect. So it's kind of the same here with the Rangers and their third base spot. Uh, Because if they save money on third base by signing Donaldson rather than Rendon, then they have more money for pitching as well. Um, But they have $93 million approximately, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, left over. A uh, sixty-nine million, actually. Sorry, I forgot that they 
uh, Sutton Gibson. So with the Gibson edition and all that stuff, they have around $69 million left over in competitive balance tax. So I'm thinking the names Rendon, Donaldson, uh, Keiko, Ryu, and Bumgarner might be in the mix of that for, for the Rangers themselves. I don't think that they're going to be going after uh, Strauss or Cole, in my opinion. So I think that that second to third tier pitchers are going to be in their in their realm, especially after signing Gibson and they sign Rendon, then they could definitely sign a Keiko, Ryu, or Bumgarner, and they would definitely be in the mix within uh, wildcard talks with us, realistically. I mean, they, they look pretty good. Their offensive uh, production has been pretty good these last couple seasons, especially if they fill in that spot at third base with Rendon or Donaldson and get another pitcher to put in their rotation with Miner and Lynn and Gibson now. They're, they're looking pretty good, and they have the money to do it, to be honest, especially with the new stadium. What is the look at with Houston right now? I mean, they are a team that is losing Garrett Cole. They are a team that's been under investigation. Coaches are leaving. How is that team looking at in, in terms of free agency, where they take their next step? So there's two takes that you can have about the Astros this offseason. Either you're going to think that they're not going to care about the allegations and, and the investigations going on within their organization, and they're just going to do what they're going to do. And they're going to go out and spend on who they want to spend and do literally whatever they want to do. Or you have the take that they're going to have a quiet off season. They're going to kind of stick with what they got and do minor pickups with kind of low-key free agent pickups. That's, that's where I'm thinking it's going, especially with they're not, they don't have very much financial room. I believe they're already over the competitive balance tax or very close to it. So with that being said, I don't anticipate them making a big splash at all, if really any splash. So yeah, they're, they're already over. They're estimated to be $19 million over the competitive balance tax already with, with, with who they already have. Um, and I believe their catcher was Dustin Garneau they signed. So I, my only prediction for them was to, to be their catcher hole, to fill their catcher hole once Maldonado left and uh, Chirinos left. And it looks like, I don't know if that's their main pickup, is Dustin Garneau to fill in that catcher hole. Uh, but that was my only two people that I had on the Astros' radar was uh, Castro and Chirinos. And if Garneau was their main pickup, then for catcher, then I don't, I honestly don't anticipate them doing much else. So, and the athletics, what about the, the A's? So I, I think the A's are interesting and I know, I know, I don't know if Jared talked about it on this, on this episode, but the Blake Trinan non-tender is, is interesting because the A's are a team that give a lot of people opportunities, a lot of older guys opportunities, a lot of guys that other teams didn't want to give that opportunity to, and then the A's come and sign them for, you know, a low a low amount, and then they either kill it with the A's for some reason, or they or they bomb and then the A's get rid of them. So if the A's if they non tender Blake Trinan, then they're basically saying they think he's done. And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they just signed uh, Deekman to a two year deal. Uh, so that's going to be a guy for for their for their pitching depth, and as far as free agency goes, they're going to be a secret runner for a good reliever that is going to have a comeback. In my opinion, that's going to be Dallin Batances. A lot of people might not be super hot and heavy on him just because he's been 
has had a long history of injuries these last couple years and hadn't really put in the uh, good stats last year just because of the injuries. So he might be a perfect spot for the A's. They have, especially to fill Trinan's role, he's got that right-handed heat. He's got good movement in all of his pitches. And uh, he would come at a somewhat relatively low price. I, I, I think he might be able to sign like a one-year deal for eight or a two-year deal for maybe 14 to 16, something like that. That's right around the Oakland's ballpark. Um, I also was looking at maybe a Wade Miley or a Will Harris, uh, another couple low-price arms for their for their pitching depth that, that kind of just fit the Oakland A's quote, quota, I guess you can say. They kind of just have a style of players they, they take on whether it be via trade or free agency, kind of just be like, yeah, I could see him putting on an A's jersey for a couple seasons. I don't know about you guys, but... Jerry, what do you take from uh, from Brock's analysis here, and what would you want to add on? No, you know, I like uh, I like the Trinan thing. I don't think that he's quite done yet after looking at all his all the data. I mean, I don't have ev- all the data in the world that I'd like, but, you know, spin rate, fastball velocity, all that, I think is still, still there. It's still interesting. I think, in my opinion, you know, don't count the Astros out of the Cole sweepstakes yet. Um, you know, I, I, I think that they're still kind of, you know, sitting there wondering what's going to kind of happen, waiting for the last second type of thing, you know. Wouldn't surprise me if we heard they uh, put in a bid or two for him. Um, even with the the money being as tight as it is, you know, um, a chance to keep Garrett Cole, I think that I don't know if he would take a uh, a price cut to stay in Houston, but I, I think that it, he would – you know, definitely like to stay there with the pitching staff he's got, and it's, in my opinion, the best opportunity to win a title unless you go to, you know, the Dodgers or you know something like that. So, but, but yeah, you know, everything, everything other than that, I mean, I, I think that the A's are super interesting. I think the Rangers, what they're doing is extremely interesting. I think Kyle Gibson. I mean, if if you're buying high, if you're buying low on somebody. Um, in fantasy, go ahead and go draft Kyle Gibson or something like that because you know the the Rangers have shown that they've been able to, to uh, produce on you know those type of guys with Minor and my or Minor and uh, Lynn and those type of guys. So it's uh, it'll be super interesting. And then you know don't keep the Rangers out of the mix on anybody big either because I think that that's something mm-hmm. that could happen too for sure. So whether it's Doan or whether it's Cole or anybody like that. So. John, what are your thoughts in terms of this division for next year and where this team is going? These teams are going in comparison to the Angels. This is my first uh, offseason that I've really even paid attention to any of this stuff. So I just appreciate listening to Jared and now listening to Brock and all the insights that they get. Um, like I said, I don't really have a lot to, to, to contribute to this conversation. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see because really I just all I've ever paid attention to was – when I still remember the day they signed uh, um, Josh Hamilton and how excited I was, the day they signed Albert Pujols, how excited I was. Now, did those all work out? No. Uh, even Mo Vaughn, I remember. This stuff just always came out of the blue to me. I wasn't even anticipating stuff like that. So um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what happened, and it's mostly with the Angels. So, Brock, with all of the potential movement out west, and it doesn't think anybody's really looking at anything major. We've seen, we've heard some rumors of maybe the Rangers being in on Garrett Cole as well. How do you see free agency lining up for the Angels in comparison with those three teams and what they're trying to do? So, as Angels fans, we all know that the Angels have kind of always been that dark horse candidate, and it's honestly been ridiculous going on Twitter. It's it's honestly gotten annoying to the point where 
it's Gary Cole, Gary Cole, Gary Cole, Gary Cole, Gary Cole. Like every single tweet is something about, I think it was you that said something about a tweet that his sister was looking for an apartment in New York yeah, or something. And I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness, this is getting ridiculous. Like we're overanalyzing everything to the point where it's just getting down to that, where his sister's looking for an apartment. So realistically for the Angels, regardless of what any reporters are saying right now, we, I don't, from what I remember, I mean, I was pretty young, but from what I remember, I don't even remember being in conversations about Albert Pujols. And then we signed him to a 10-year mega deal, if I remember correctly. So Shohei Otani, we were in the conversations, but we weren't the favorites. I believe the Mariners were the favorites. So there's a, been a lot of times where we've been maybe in the talks, maybe, oh yeah, the Angels might be a fit, but then we end up with the person we want. So there's always going to be that little bit of an East Coast bias. There's always going to be a little more East Coast coverage from the bigger from the bigger reporters. There's going to be more East Coast coverage than for the Angels. And I'm going to try, and I feel like the, the Angels fans should try not so much to watch and listen to everything that's being said on social media and just think that whatever happens is going to happen and there's going to be good reasons for it because the Angels are all in this offseason. It's not going to be financial reasons why we don't get the people that we need. It's going to be other reasons that are beyond our control. So if Garrett Cole decides to go to the Yankees, that's not going to have anything to do with us not being able to put forth the money that the Yankees do. The only reason that that would be a thing is if the Yankees gave an irresponsible deal to Garrett Cole, and I would honestly respect Billy Epler to basically turn that down. So if they're offering him $45, $50 million a year for whatever reason, and Billy Epler was like, all right, you know, I know that this is this is who we need, but that's just getting ridiculous. It's going to get to a point where I would respect Billy Epler to to turn that down and, and maybe go after Strauss instead. So I do feel like we're, we're going to be in on everybody that we need, but to a certain point, you got to just be realistic and say that there's everybody in on these people. Everybody wants Strauss. Everybody wants Cole. Everybody wants Rendon. Everybody that can afford them and has the spot open want all these people that that we're going after too. So we can't just go in and offer everybody deals and expect them to accept them to come to us. Hopefully we get Cole. If we don't, hopefully we get Strauss. But at the same time, we got to remember that there's there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball and, and everybody has money. And everybody has a spot to be filled. So we just need to remember that and and stay realistic and hope for the best. But I do expect big things. All right, so I'm going to keep Brock on the, on the show here for the rest of that. He's going right into Garrett Cole, and that's where we want to actually go. I and the, yeah, He's right. I was the one who talked about that, that post last night where this guy is basically just gossip. Garrett Cole's sister has already passed the bar, already has an apartment in New York, is looking for another one. Could this be a clue that Garrett Cole is signed with the Yankees? I mean, the kind of stuff I remember being stationed out there when my first new station was in New Jersey. Where I watched a lot of Yankees and watched a lot of Mets out there at the time, and that's how life is in New York when it comes to baseball, pretty much sports in general. It's a bunch of gossip, a bunch of stuff. You think it's bad out in L.A. No, 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 no. It doesn't even compare out to L- to New York. Garrett Cole is a West Coast dude. We hear conflicting information that he was one. You know, he wanted to be a Yankee growing up, loved the Yankees, was a Yankee fan, here he's an Angels fan, was drafted by the Yankees, rejected the Yankees, go, and it's kind of hard to get a feel for what he what he really wants, where he's from. But let me ask you guys a question. And I'm, you know, you guys are West Coast guys. If you grew up as a West Coast guy, you've never pitched in a market like New York, where gossip is crazy. Things like a sister looking at apartments can be taken all kinds of different ways. <laughs> is that the environment that you'd want to pitch in? 
Because some pitchers don't do well in New York. We've seen it in the past. I'm going to start with John. Given your West Coast background and everything, and you also at one point were a Yankees fan years ago, if you're Garrett Cole, how do you feel about all the, the stuff that comes with being a Yankee? Well, there's a lot of glamour to pitching for the Yankees, putting on the pinstripe, a lot of history and stuff. But, um, I, you know, I, I, I always talk about the – we have two lotteries, Super Lotto and Mega Millions. I buy Super Lotto because 10 million, you know, 10, 15 million, that's fine with me. I don't need 300 million or 30, 60 or 100. So, I mean, the money to me, I mean, if he really honestly chooses the Yankees for an extra 10 million a year uh, when he's already going to be getting, I mean, then I guess he really just wants to be a Yankee. But I don't understand how you could, a man who was born miles, literally my, went to school literally miles from Angel Stadium, grew up in Angel Stadium, if the story is true, and I do believe the story is true. He was even quoted as saying his favorite World Series memory was the Angels winning the World Series. So I, I just don't understand. I, I will be I will be shocked if he does not choose the Angels because I, I'm glad to hear Brock say what he said. I it, I don't know if the fans will believe it, especially on Twitter. Like that's another new experience for me this year. I wasn't involved in Twitter last year, and I get to see what people talk about about how we're not spending the money. No, we are going to spend what it needs to. What we need to spend, again, unless there is a huge what the Yankee factor that he put forward. So I don't understand how he could not want to pitch at home. Yang- Angel Stadium is a much more chill environment. Um, yeah, Angel's uh, fans' uh, venom is nothing compared to New York, and, and Angel media venom is nothing compared to New York. So if you can stay home, pitch in an Angel Stadium, play with Mike Trout, even have a couple years left with uh, Albert Pujols. Um, I, I don't see how he does not choose the Angels. When you grow up as a kid, there's two things that you want. You want to play for your hometown team, and you want to play for the Yankees. Or at least that's the way it was for me. I mean, I, I always wanted to play for the Angels. You know, I always wanted to in some way contribute to the Angels. And I always wanted to be a Yankee. You know, and I feel like everybody's that way. Every kid, I mean, to don the Yankee pinstripes is it's almost religious in a way, you know, with the history that they have and in everything like that. And yes, I know the fandom's crazy and I know the media is crazy and all that fun stuff. But but I mean, it's it's like I said, it's almost a religious experience to be a Yankee. And I, you know, that's that's the difficulties that that Cole is Garrett Cole is having. Um, Back to addressing Garrett Cole's sister. Um, isn't Garrett Cole's sister married to Brandon Crawford? I think that's yes, could, he is. She, he is. Or yes, right? she is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So well, why is Brandon Crawford not going to New York? Why? Why are we talking about? You know. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Why is, that, that that's I just, it just popped into my head. You know, it just you know it, it could be Brandon Crawford. You know, I mean, these guys make millions and millions of dollars. Maybe they love New York. You know, it's it's just one of those things. Don't look too. much. <clears throat> Don't look too much into that. And um, last little note on this whole Garrett Cole thing. Um, I said it yesterday. Um, there's not very many people that know anything about what's going on, um, unless your name's Billy Eplers, God Boris, or Artie Moreno. Um, there, there's there's not near any anybody. I mean, even insiders, you know. I mean, Heyman might think he knows something, or Sherman, or Rosenthal, and or I mean. Even Fle- Jeff Fletcher probably doesn't know very much. I mean, even if, if Jeff's listening to this, I'm sorry. But, I mean, it, it's just one of those things. Like, nobody knows anything, you know? I mean, m- myself, like, I've gone and I've 
I've talked to people. There, there's people uh, that I talk to, and they don't even know anything. It's it's just it's one of those things. Like er- everything's so so quiet right now. It's so under wraps. I mean, for all we like, Jeff Passan, I think reported that there's going to be initial you know bids coming up soon. I mean, I don't even know if that that take everything that's being said with a grain of salt. You know, I mean, who knows if initial uh, bids have already been made more than likely you know money has already been talked about and and all that stuff and so i mean we don't even know what the money figure is going to look like but back to what brock said you know i, I there's a limit you're going to go out and spend and people are talking crazy up to the 300 million dollar range and i don't like if if the angels give garrett cole 300 million dollars i would be absolutely shocked i i would be i i don't think the market i don't even know when the market got that high um, to the $300 million range. I think it's still going to be more down in the 250 range, 250, 270, maybe down to 230, depending on the years. So we'll, I mean, at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. You know, it's, it'll, it'll be fun down the road. I don't see it as Garrett Cole, $300 million. I see it as you have a, an agent, Scott Boris, who is very good at getting the best deal possible for his client, depending on the client. Doesn't always work, AKA, Keiko last year, but there's enough demand for Cole that he can just keep driving it up and driving it up and driving it up. And if that's the case, one, I don't see this going until January because both, you know, well, the Yankees, the Angels, the Dodgers, all these teams that are all in on Cole need to have option B going. And if he's going to wait until January, then they might not have an option B by then. Strasburg might sign with somebody. They might go back to Washington. He might sign with Texas or somebody else. I don't see this as a January thing. I actually see it as Cole signing soon. They're going to win winter meetings this week. They've already exchanged numbers. We know they've exchanged numbers by now. Anybody saying they haven't exchanged numbers by now, they're just they're not thinking straight. They've exchanged numbers by now. The Angels have known for months. They've known for months that Cole was going to be their guy. We've known it. We talked about it. We asked the Houston, uh, Patrick McCarthy, in July about the odds of the Astros keeping Cole, the Angels getting involved, and so on and so forth. So we've been talking about Cole for months, and I don't see it as a case where, hey, the Angels are just now getting to it, and it's going to go into January. No, no, they know. They know their backs are against the wall. If they're going to get themselves an ace, there's only two real, two ace potential guys out there right now are available, and, and Strasburg is a borderline ace, a one or a two, you got to, my view, this is not going to last into January. This is something that's going to come to a head pretty quickly. Anybody want to dare debate me on that one? I, no. I think, I, I agree. I think it's going to happen fairly quickly, just exactly the reason you said. I, I, I think that Strasburg will probably sign by the end of the winter meetings. And that's my bold prediction there. I think he's going to sign with San Diego before the winter meetings is over, which means two things. That means that Garrett Cole will sign sooner, and that means that the Angels are going to even go hot and heavier on Garrett Cole because they don't have that backup plan. So their ace plan is going to be Garrett Cole. It's not going to be, oh, well, if Garrett Cole doesn't work out, then they could still have Strauss. Just like you said, if Strasburg signs by the end of the winter meetings and it's not with us, which I don't think it will be because Garrett Cole is going to be our main target, then that's going to be our guy. But with that being said, it's going to be the same way with the Yankees. It's going to be the same way with the Dodgers. So those three teams at a minimum are going to be like, well, now it's uh, it's Garrett Cole, and we're going to bid our highest bid. But getting back to the to the the little things we were talking about Garrett Cole a few minutes ago, you have to think that regardless of you know whether he wants to play in New York or you know what's going on inside of his head, you have to think about just standards of of living and and living happiness. I guess you could call it of what his wife wants, where the rest of his family is where he'd prefer to live. And I feel like there's not a lot of people. I mean, I've never been in New York personally. 
but I, I listen to a lot of different baseball podcasts and, and a lot of those things. And a majority of people that I've heard have said that playing in New York is is stressful. The media is the media is tough. The fans are tough. The transportation, as simple as that, is tough. You got to leave like five, six, seven hours before the game to to get to the stadium because it takes so long to get to the stadium. And just like little things like that and living in a high rise in comparison to a beachfront mansion. And I feel like a majority of people would choose a beachfront mansion over a high rise. But, you know, just like Jared said, you can't, nobody really knows, even deep down to the fact that nobody knows what's what's inside Garrett Cole's head. But you have to think that you grow up in the West Coast, you're a West Coast guy. You have the West Coast mentality. You have the West Coast preferences when it comes down to the transportation and the living arrangements and the, the life he's built in the West Coast. And, you know, obviously he wasn't really able to choose where he was going to play initially, but now he has that option. So why would he choose to go somewhere that he may or may not be as comfortable with in comparison to him being able to go play a home game and drive 20 minutes down the 57? and go home to his Newport Beach home with his wife and his family down the street. So there's just living arrangements that we have to think about that if you were to commonly like use your common sense and think, okay, if I were in this exact same position, unless it was a like a lifelong goal of mine to play as a Yankee and nobody else, and just like John mentioned, if it's only for $10 million more a year when you're already going to be making 35, in my opinion, if I were Garrett Coyd, it wouldn't even be a question. It wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be in the realm of possibility for me to sign anywhere else but with the Angels. Dodgers would be in the realm of possibility, but the Angels, it's it's right there. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, I back to what you said, 100%, I, I, think, I think it's going to move fast, quicker than we definitely anticipated. I don't think it's going to reach out until January or anywhere near there. John, final thoughts on this one. Well, when I, when I uh, had the pleasure of actually speaking to Scott Boris briefly uh, at the batting practice. And, and I, I offered to buy him a hot dog and a beer if he'd uh, you know let Garrett Cole sign with us. He's very adamant in his response to me that that's not my decision. That's his decision. But h- how much effect do you think Scott Boris has on this decision? I think he has very minimal. I would hope so. I would hope it would be, yeah, because I mean, I again, I'm just, I'll just repeat myself. The guy's an Orange County guy. This is the dream for him. Like I said the only other option would be the Dodgers. But if he truly grew up, well, I guess he say was a Yankees fan. But if he was, if he was an Angels fan in any way, I don't know how. If you had your choice between the two, except for the apps, you know, you're going to actually probably be in, in the playoffs, and you got a good chance of making it, you know competing for a World Series immediately with the Dodgers, whereas the Angels, it's still a little, uh, you know, skeptical. So what what's really a problem for me is as we close this out and go into the minor league situation, I don't I know so many people are hardcore on the Angels getting them and, and how bad does Apple look if the Angels don't get Cole it's pretty clear the Angels are all in on this. But you're competing against the Yankees. And when you're competing against the Yankees, there's no shame in losing that that one. They got the money the Angels don't have. That said that said, the Angels can compete with them in a large, to a large extent. And at some point, the Yankees can't spend money. The Angels have more money available to spend, quite frankly. It just depends on how much they want to go in. I, I would say this with the Yankees. There are so many different people out there who have a dream job, but it, I think it comes down to every person. Every individual has their own style. There are some players out there who could not handle playing in New York. Couldn't, nor never who they were previously playing in New York. For years, you saw the Derek Jeter, A-Rod, Thing and, and all those sort of things that go into it. Pitchers have gone out there, great pitchers have floundered out there in New York and 
it's not an easy place to play. Only certain type of pitchers have that kind of personality, and certain kind of pitchers might not even want to deal with it. So I would say it's not a given, even if the Yankees outbid the Angels. But on the flip side of it, you know, there are positives to playing on the East Coast compared to the West Coast as well, depending on the personality, depending on the player. And maybe there's some things out there that will concern Garrett Cole about the Angels. Like, who's more ready to compete right now for a World Title, for a World Series title? The Yankees or the Angels? Well, the Yankees are. He might be the final piece for that, for all we know. So it just depends on the player. It depends on the player. Can I say one more thing real quick? Sure. I think it's interesting that John brought up Scott Boris because that brought up another thought in my head. I think the specific task for Scott Boris, regardless of the client, but regarding Garrett Cole, is to bring up his value to each team that's in on him as much as possible. That way he can get very similar high-end offers from each team that's in on him. And that way it leaves Garrett Cole with that personal decision. Because if he doesn't bring up that value for each team and he doesn't sell each team on why they need his his player or his client, then he's not going to get similar offers from everybody. And it's going to make it a, a, a more difficult decision because he might have to decide against where he truly wants to go based off of how differing the contracts are. So I think that's specifically Scott Boris's job is to say, well, I'm going to get everybody as close together as possible financially so that way it comes to a point where you have three or four teams laid out and i present their offers to you and it makes it a lot easier for you to go this is where i want to play because if the yankees offer him a hundred million dollars more than the angels do is living in the west coast where he wanted to play and grew up worth that hundred i mean that's a hundred million dollars but if it's a small dividend then it makes it easier for cole to say you know what yankees might be offering me five million dollars more a year but I mean, that's not that much of a difference for me to sacrifice what I truly want. So I feel like that's specifically Boris's job is to just get everything as close as possible, as much as possible to truly make it a more personal what I want decision more than a financial decision, if that makes sense. And one more thing just to add on. There's also other aspects to this, i.e. trade. There's some word out there out in the athletic today about the possibility of the Indians trading Corey Kluber. Some teams have been talking to them about maybe trying to buy a low. I guarantee there's pitchers involved. The Angels, I'm sure, are going to be involved in that. So we don't we don't even know. This, this is going to be like a daytime running soap opera all week if you're mm-hmm. a baseball fan. Baseball fan. If you are a baseball fan, you're, it's like you're turning in turning on General Hospital every day at 3 o'clock. But it says <laughs> that you're turning on ESPN News or whatever, trying to find out what the newest scoop is. So I would expect... A lot of news to fly this week. I guess I would expect we probably will have a midweek podcast if, if there's a signing. I'm sure we will, but I would expect something to go on for the Angels here in the next few days, and, you know, there we go. Okay, final thing I want to get to. We, it's actually two weeks old, and I can't believe we've let it go this far. It's the first time I've had everybody on the call to talk about it. The story about Major League Baseball cutting back up to 42 minor league baseball teams and limiting minor league, um, sorry, major league organizations to 150 players, period, within an organization. I have lots of thoughts. I want to get you guys' thoughts first. I'm going to start with John. John, how do you feel about this proposal? So when my wife and I, we've been together 24 years, started dating, we actually uh, attended a, a, a minor league team, and we a uh, couple seasons. We were season ticket holders. Uh, nothing better than minor league baseball. That was in Long Beach, California, which has a lot going on for it. So that was hardly – uh, the centerpiece of Long Beach's economy. Um, so, I mean, as a minor league baseball fan, I think it's I think it's heartbreaking for the cities 
that they uh, that will be devastated by this or they will be affected by this. The fans, the economy. I think it's horrible optics for the league. Um, but from what I've read up on it and what I understand, the idea is to actually make uh, pay employees more that in the stadiums that they keep players more and improve the conditions at, at the existing lots to actually condense it and to streamline it. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm a capitalist, so I mean, but it's horrible optics. So, I mean, I understand the business side of it, but I don't see it. And I don't know, does I even read like, does Congress even get involved in this, in this stuff? I don't know. I think it's uh, it's kind of a shame, um, and, and I think it doesn't just. It, it, I mean, it starts with minor leagues, and it, it trickles down from there. You know, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but I, I think. I mean, I, I saw something that they would limit the draft to only twenty rounds instead of the forty or fifty that's at right now. I can't. I, forbid, I, I can't remember right now, but um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it trickles down. It, it, that affects college. That affects high school. You know, that affects everything. I mean, there's guys out there that are hoping to to get a shot in the 40th round you know and it's 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 been like that you know like one of my buddies got drafted in the 38th round last year and um he's you know playing out in arizona you know it's just it's one of those things and um if we're talking about money it's it's stupid that the money is getting brought up like oh we need to get rid of teams so that we can spend more money down in the minor league so everybody gets paid more it's like no you know the teams have the money to do this it's just that way you know if I saw something that USA Today reported, and if um, minor league hockey teams are getting paid, uh, you know, players their average salary is forty thousand dollars, and or something along the lines of that, and the minor league average AAA salary salary for baseball is ten thousand dollars. It's just it's ridiculous. I, you know, at some point baseball has to step in, and this this isn't the way that it needs to go um, in in any means. And I hate the politics behind it. I, I'm not a political person i don't do i don't do the politics for a reason but i just don't know you know what baseball and i don't know what you know i don't know if congress is going to get involved i don't know what exactly the deal is going to be with all this but uh but it'll be a shame if it, if this actually happens it's going to trickle down to you know it hurts small colleges you know such as mine who are trying to get you know guys to you know play minor league baseball that instead of now having 40 40 rounds in the major league draft to get drafted now you well you have to be a 20 round guy well i mean it's gonna cut down on so many things it's gonna cut down on uh, i hate to bring up dreams as a uh, as a as an excuse but it's gonna cut down on a lot of people's dreams of playing professional baseball you know i mean a lot of guys get opportunities um matt shoemaker undrafted free agent there's going to be a lot, a lot more of those, um, a lot more of those guys, and it's going to hurt the scouting aspect. It's going to hurt, you know, it's going to hurt everything about the game. So I just, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I feel the same that that John and Jared already talked about. It's this is not where baseball should be headed. I don't know specifically. I, I try to read up on this, but I haven't really. I've tried to figure out like why they've wanted to do this. Is it just literally just cutting back on on quote saving money? Is that is that the motivation behind this? Yeah, pretty much making up for the fact that they pay these players in a uh, basically a living wage. So, are they saying that if they cut out these these forty two teams, then they're going to give raises to the teams that remain? Is well, that's that, just is that what they're going they for. Have to, they have these minor leaguers are getting a pay raise overall. There's going to be a minimum okay. wage. So that's it's, the part that I guess frustrates me is that I mean I guess you could look at 
this this ordeal and say, oh, okay, well, I guess there's at least a little bit of a of a good upside of this deal is that the minor leaguers that remain are going to start getting maybe livable wage. But at the same time, if they're trying to tell the public and everybody that they can't afford, if Major League Baseball can't afford to pay everybody that same pay, you know, or at least bring it up 30, 30 grand, if they were to pay everybody in minor league baseball 40 grand, if they were on a single, single A, double A, triple A roster, then they're fooling everybody because we all know that they have the money for that. So it's, it's pretty much just the political side of it that both Jared and I don't really enjoy talking about or really understand to a full effect that they're just trying to fool everybody saying that they can't afford that when, when we all know they can. So it's unfortunate because I didn't even know that they were going to start cutting down draft picks. I mean, it makes sense now that you're cutting out a bunch of the teams that are going to have to cut down on the draft picks as well. So, I mean, it, I guess it goes hand in hand, uh, but I hadn't even thought about that aspect. So that sucks. I mean, I have a bunch of buddies that got drafted late rounds too, and it's it's literally cutting down dreams, just like Jared said. And it's like, man, that's not what baseball is all about. I don't think that's what baseball strives to be is just a, a money-making machine. I mean, it is to a certain extent, but in, in the lower end of the system, I f- most of the time, these guys get a chance. You know, that even if they get drafted 40th round, they, they get that chance. And I would even have loved that chance too. I never went to college uh, or a four-year college to get that chance. But if I had, I would have been aiming for any of those 40 rounds and just said, give me a chance. That's all I need. And a lot of those people aren't going to be getting those chances anymore. Just to follow, I mean, I've had some some great moments in Angel Stadium, but I will never, I still have my my hat from the the 24-year-old hat from those minor league seasons that we attended. You knew everybody. It's just, it's solid. It's, It's Field of Dreams baseball. And again, and then when you're having a discussion where Brock's talking, I, I, I hope I'm not saying this wrong, you know, talking about talks of maybe 400 million for Garrett Cole. And you're saying that you, 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 you need to trim some of the fat off of off of the minor leagues, off of these. It's just hor- it's again, I'm going to say it again, horrible optics. I'm not I'm not in, in favor of it in any way, shape or form. Again, as somebody, it's I just it's just horrible optics. I, I don't know why they're why they would even consider doing this. My only minor league team close to me got got shut down just a few years ago it was the High Desert Mavericks. Uh, that's that's where I live. So don't come find me. But anyways, High Desert Mavericks is over here in Atalanto, and uh, they got shut down. And now, like, some rookie soccer team plays there now. But same thing with John. I had a lot of memories there, and it was a lot closer to me than Angel Stadium. And it was good baseball. Like he said, you knew everybody. You knew people that go to the game. I went there for a solid 8 to 10 years out of my childhood. And then overnight, they're like, oh, we're shutting down because we can't afford to to run ourselves. And in my head, even as, like, a 12-, 13-year-old kid, I'm like – where like how do they not have the money like i know a lot of people don't show up but there should be more stadium renovations there should be the stadium should be well kept a little more and i don't know how they're not getting the money for this and it's 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 frustrating well it comes down you know to who survived the money so it is time for us to go i'm gonna get my thoughts on this i'm gonna close out the show brock you kind of hit the hit it though the expenses the hometown field john you hit on as well you, know, you jerry you talk about dreams but here's the reality of it this is why baseball is no longer, quote-unquote, the national pastime. We say it's a national pastime, but it's not. Football passed a long time ago. Because football is, for until probably recently, really done a great job at putting its finger on the pulse of American sports. What baseball has done for years now is just assume their way of doing it is the right way, and everybody else is wrong. Whether it comes down to 
different all-star game changes to how the playoffs have worked, all the different things, salary caps and luxury taxes. Listen, baseball has a real problem. And the problem baseball has right now is it's not getting into every community as it is. And so in their extreme brilliance, they decided to make the problem better. You guys are hopefully noticing there's some sarcasm there by removing more bit. baseball teams. Okay, in my locally here, you guys know I'm in Ohio. The Mahoning Valley Scrappers are on that list. This city has lost steel. They've lost GM. They've lost so many different things. They, you know, they had a tornado come through in '85, torched the city of, of Niles, which is just north of Youngstown. This town has had so many huge losses, and now you're saying let's go ahead and get rid of their team. And what's worse is their affiliate. The Indians signed off on it when so many of their players have come through here. You think that's going to go over well with Indians fans down here? No way. So you are ticking off the very fans that you are depending on as your lifeblood throughout the entire country. You need more fans, not less. You don't want to tick off the fans of your area. You want to get them coming in. So you know what? Too bad if you got to pay these players more. They should never have been pay- getting paid $1,000 a month to begin with. That's ridiculous. The hours they put in every single day, they're not on an eight-hour-a-day job. Being a base player professionally is an all-day job. You spend your entire day around your three-hour game that night. It's ridiculous. The entire idea that you are in a place getting paid $1,000 a month, and that's your entire life, they should be getting paid equal wages. But you know what? Baseball means to look long-term, not short-term, invest more in these communities, and instead of shutting down some of these clubs that are having like 300, 300 people show up for a game, or they're having issues with these the facilities, why don't you look at, heaven forbid, either A, moving those teams, or B, reinvesting in that community if you do some market research and see if it's worth reinvesting in. In other words, this is one of those cases where you need to spend money to make money, not cut funding and get rid of stuff to make money. You want to build your fan base deeper into the 21st century, not choke it off in smaller communities. It's idiotic and stupid, and the Major League Baseball needs to get its head out of the true end real quick. And that is how I'm going to end the show today. Folks, <laughs> don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos and also on Facebook, the Talking Halos group. Don't forget Jared Timms at Jared underscore Timms, John and J.S. Craig John, and Bull and Barack at BDRocks8. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find any of us, any of us on social media as well. And of course, our core Talking Halos on Twitter. So for the entire team, this is Derek C. Paul getting calmed down because I'm a little ticked. Have a great one. We'll see you maybe this week, maybe midweek, if not next weekend. Take it easy. We're out. See ya. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in a make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.